I love Ernest so very much. Ernest is the embodiment of something so good and pure and innocent. Uh, for me, the movie was Ernest Goes to Camp. It was the one that my sister and I just would watch over and over. The scene that we would rewind over and over again comes in the very first minute, and it's the moment when Ernest is plunging a toilet. Uh, it, you know, the credits are still rolling. It's very early on in the whole movie, um, but it's it's a classic moment where he he looks at the camera and looks down, and then he looks back at the camera and he goes... Uh, he basically just says, ooh, but he goes, ew. And the way that he draws it out and his, his like jaw moves back and forth just made us crack up every single time. We would just lose, lose it laughing. There's still something to it that I can't explain that just brings me joy. And it's so silly, and yet it's just, <laughs> it's just perfect. Um... I was basically raised on television for uh, for better or for worse out in uh, West Texas in the middle of nowhere. And I think my earliest memory of um, Ernest was some commercials that would play. Um, I can't remember what exactly he was selling, but I remember him possibly climbing a ladder and coming in through a window with those bug eyes and, uh, you know, giving the, the catchphrase and know what I mean, Vern. Uh, but yeah, I can't remember exactly what he was selling. And then years later, I uh, work as an art preparator. So we pack fine art and store it. But sometimes we would also get um, the collections of people that were deceased that included art, but also could include, you know, personal effects or, you know, antiques or whatever. And uh, one time we got uh, this gentleman who had died and we had his art, but we also had a lot of his business paperwork. And they told us to go ahead and destroy it, but in the process of destroying it, when we opened up the, all these file boxes, it was very clear that he was um, Ernest's, um, uh, his lawyer or his uh, agent or manager of some kind. And it, there was just maybe like half a dozen boxes of um of clippings and you know paperwork and contractual stuff, and I kept a bo one box uh, around the shop at the time. This was in San Francisco, hoping to do something with it. Um, but I ended up uh, moving back to Austin, and the box probably just stayed there. I guess if I really wanted to, I could ask if if it is still there. But it's been you know about ten years since this happened, so uh, strange coincidence, I guess. But uh, yeah, maybe I'll email them and see if it's around. Hi, Verns. You've just heard the first installment of a new segment we're calling Verns Anonymous, an opportunity for our listeners to share what Ernest P. Worrell has meant to them. If you're interested, reach out to us on Instagram, at ourmanernest. Enjoy episode three. Know what I mean? Ernest Saves Christmas. Welcome back hey, to episode three. Episode three. Our Man Ernest. Um, despite what we said at the end of last episode, uh, we got our wires crossed on the Ernest timeline. Mm -hmm. uh, we had said that we were going to be talking about, I think, Ernest goes to jail. Mm -hmm. But actually, we're going to try and go chronologically. So the next in line is, in fact, Ernest Saves Christmas. Christmas special. <laughs> which was really fun to watch um, in the spring. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> it was. Um, 
Chinatown? Santa Claus. He's flying economy class. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Santa Claus comes to Florida um, in search of a successor. Um, and in this sort of lore, it's made clear that Santa Claus is kind of like an elected position that you accept for a time. Um, this Santa Claus, it, we'll learn later, is 150 years old. So he's been at it for a while. And it seems like it's not that... And just to clarify the lore real quick, too, from what we got, it seemed like it wasn't like you're magic and you live forever, but it's that you're just a human being, but once you become Santa Claus, you can do it Well, I was a little confused, uh, because he did say he was 150 years old, which I believe, because even when he's arrested later in the film, he's not, like, lying about any of the answers. He still maintains his name as Santa Claus, and that he's 150. There's no reason for him to lie about that. Yeah. Um, especially since it would get him out of hot water to, right. to make up something. Right. So I think it's the kind of situation where you're not immortal, but you do right. live longer than on Earth. Or I guess when the North Pole is on Earth, but like, when you're because Santa, he's 150. So once like, you become Santa. And he's, you know, mobile and right. still with it. Although he is really hard on himself for starting to what he calls slip. He because gets real, real vulnerable. He there. used to have every kid on his nice list gifts memorized, but now he feels his age starting to like hinder his ability to do his job. Right. Um, anyway, so he's come to Florida because he has a candidate in mind, which is this gentleman, uh, children's show host, or former children's show host, I suppose, uh, Joe Carruthers. And when the movie opens, his classic children's show has just been canceled and it's like a PBS style show although it's on a different local network mm -hmm. um, he's a bit of a legend certainly to kids although Ernest has heard of him too right so I mean the implication is that he's been doing kids shows forever he's like a Mr. Rogers that a lot of exactly people know, yeah. precisely um, so Santa Claus is interested in recruiting Joe Carruthers to become the next Santa Claus mm -hmm. Um, but in order to do so, he needs a ride from the airport. That's when hapless taxi driver, our man, Ernest <laughs> B. Worrell, pulls up. After an introduction to him as a taxi driver that was truly horrifying. Yeah, it was a nuts. A poor man was, like, frozen stiff, like, weekended Bernie style, because he was so... He was so traumatized by Ernest driving. In one of the more absurdest pieces of comedy in the whole show that has nothing to do with Santa magic. It's just Ernest magic, I guess, of just, like, making somebody freeze yeah. entirely. So, in comes Ernest. He's driving his cab. Um, he's good at his job. I mean, he's still... Basically, they establish his character as being super fun and funny and a very good bad driver. Like, he's driving terribly rules-wise, but he's, like, getting the guy there. He'll get you there. But like, you're going to get, get a wound And that's kind of his yeah. attitude. He's like, oh, we're going to get you there on time. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, okay. So, Ernest comes in contact with Santa, who needs a ride. Mm -hmm. And I was a little confused at first, because when Santa and Ernest first meet, Santa, again, is very straightforward about being Santa. Yeah. He's not like, my name is Chris Kringle. Or like yeah. any, there's no, no... subtlety. He's just like, I'm Santa, I'm Santa Claus. And Ernest reacts very kind of like, oh, okay. Very nonchalant. Like, okay. So, um, in comes our other 
uh, lead character. Oh, man. Um, uh, a young girl who I would guess is probably supposed to be 15 or 16. Harmony Star. She introduces herself at Har- as Harmony Star. We will learn later her real name is Pamela. I can't pull her last name. Um, she is no good. She's a pathological liar. She She's introduced uh, dining and dashing at a restaurant uh, that she runs out of just in the nick of time as Ernest, you know, screeches to a stop in order to avoid hitting her, and she right. jumps in the cab and says, go, go, go. And Santa's still in the back seat. She doesn't realize Santa's in the back seat. He introduces himself to her, and she is like, okay. Yeah. No, no opinion either way. Right. Just get me out of this jam. Um, in the early scenes with, Har- we'll just call her Harmony. Yeah. In the early scenes with Harmony, she's lying at every opportunity. She's very jumpy. Pathological. I, and we'll get into this more later, but I feel like a scene was missing in this movie that showed Harmony like taking pills or doing drugs or something. She, her character was so high. Like she, she just like, and I, I did not like it. Like I actually yeah. felt like it made sense that this kind of like wayward teen. Would, would hook up with right. all of them and like find the magic of Christmas and Ernest is in, involved in that too because he's such a sweet guy. Right. So, but really without that scene, it was really hard to understand what she was doing almost all the time. Right. Like. Yeah, there was some dark, like whereas Ernest Goes to Camp really kind of brought the darkness out. This movie hinted at darkness, but it, as Joss said, it felt like there were scenes of darkness that were either left on the cutting room floor or that just were intentionally left out of the narrative even though the characters kind of begged for some of those extra scenes i think right and especially since the magic of christmas is always kind of like a character in these movies or like an aspect of these movies you thought maybe you would see more of her life changing Mm -hmm. from knowing santa claus himself right and like ernest who is always The thing I'm really starting to love about watching these movies is that Ernest is always, like, the agent for good. And it's Ernest saving Christmas, after all, as the title suggests. He is the kind of catalyst for all of these things to come together. In some ways, you could expand on that by saying, like, I think that Ernest is the the everyman throughout history, the every person who's done something to affect history for good, but who goes unrecognized and unnoticed. Because even in this scenario, like if this were made today, and it was made today, like like the Santa Claus or something like that, like they need a new Santa Claus, or like some of these Christmas films for kids. If it was an Ernest series, Ernest would have been the replacement Santa was trying to get, but what's so great about this is that that's not Ernest's narrative. In some ways, he's the supporting character of this, yet he's still the most important component to drive the narrative forward. I really like that Forrest Gump aspect of, of yes, these Ernest absolutely. movies. Like, it's almost like listening to like your granddad like tell a story. Like, did I ever tell you that I'm the reason why, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. this happened? Or like, did I ever tell you how I saved Christmas? I, I'm not Santa Claus, but I met him. And that's kind of like the entry point. Um, I just love the unsung nature of it. I mean, it makes me think of... It's totally different than what you expect. And that's been in my mind a lot, especially with the pandemic, like with, you know, people are finally recognizing grocery workers and recognizing 
it's like the unsung heroes that are actually keeping us going. Right. In some ways. And how the important the people are that you don't know the names of. And in right. this case, it's Ernest, because everyone knows Santa Claus, right. and they're happy they got their toys, and they had no idea how close it came, it came to, not to not happening. Anyway, okay, so Harmony jumps into the cab. Um, an important detail from this part of the story is that Santa doesn't have any money because... <laughs> And this is also supposed to, in a sad way, exemplify how he's, like, getting over the hill. That's true. It was smart, actually. A, really smart a little again. girl, the previous Christmas, had asked for, like, a play grocery store set, and Santa wanted to include some play money in that gift, and because he's 150 years old and starting to slip, he gave the girl real money and then when he opened his wallet to pay Ernest for the cab ride, he discovered all of this playtown play money or whatever. Yeah, that's it was all he had. So it's important that Santa's kind of mm -hmm. literally depending on the kindness of strangers, and there are very few who like decide to help him. Uh, but he can't like pay for another cab driver or right. pay to get food or pay to have a place to sleep. Um, but because Ernest is such a mensch mm -hmm. and so beautiful. He's like, you know what? It's the Christmas spirit. This guy who says he's Santa writes for free. And then because of this decision, when he goes back to his, like, cabbie boss, mm -hmm. he's like, you can't keep doing this. You can't keep depending on your kindness. Like, Being this is nice. a business. Yeah, you gotta make him money. So you Ernest gets money. fired. And then from then on, the taxi cab thing is kind of out. And he's right. now driving his truck. Right. He's still kind of incorporated in the world as a chauffeur and, like, as a driver and a getter-dunner. Right. But, like, he's he's not a taxi driver anymore. Right. He's just a um, And it's one of those moments, like, so many of the moments in Earth Goes to Camp where you're really like, this guy is so sweet. Yeah, he's and really going. He goes out of his way. Him. He's just way. trying to be a good person and, like, be a decent person. Right. And his cabbie boss doesn't get that. Harmony's being a real bitch to him because she's 15 and on drugs, even though there's no scene to say so. I'm convinced. Like, there's something missing with her. Yeah. And it's more than just the backstory they give her, which is that her parents are going through a hard time. And she's been running away. Right. From home. Which they don't really go into. It's sort of one of those, like, set it and forget it plot details right. where like they just mention it just enough to justify why she's allowed to pal around with Ernest and Santa for like five days. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, or I think Santa says you've been away from home for about a month now. Yeah. Because one of the important things is as the characters when the characters first meet Santa they're very doubtful. Mm -hmm. But he's able to predict or remind them of things that only the real Santa would know, and that slowly sways people. Right. And that is done, that's signified in the story by a jingling flourish of tinkling bells, which it's is so funny each time. Anytime somebody reacts to being affected by Santa's wisdom, that of like <laughs> information really? he has about that person that nobody else would know, like about their history, they just go dead-eyed, stared at Santa like, what? And then you hear a little... How about that scene when uh, Ernest is driving like a madman behind yeah. a Christmas tree, a truck that's like stocked with all these Christmas trees, and right. one falls off, and Ernest treats it like a baby is in the middle of the road. Yeah, like, he has to I'll save you, the buddy. Christmas tree from being run over. So he grabs the tree at, at the risk of many other, because <laughs> all these cars crash. Yeah. 
and he, he, he's like, here, Santa, hold this. And Santa's in the back seat holding this tree. And Santa is very moved by it. He says, it's good to see that at least somebody is keeping the spirit of Christmas alive. It's a real, it's a real moment. It's a real moment where Santa looks at this guy like, man, he's really going out of his way to, to keep that spirit going. But you almost killed us, like in traffic on a highway. Right, and Santa kind of recognizes Ernest as, I think later he describes him as not very bright, but like very spirited. Yeah, yeah, he's very kind. He's a great person, but not very bright. And so Santa totally gets Ernest right away, sees his good heart, really is like dependent on him fully. And Ernest Ernest delivers because he takes takes Santa to meet the the potential replacement for others at the studio. Orlando Children's Museum. Uh, Yeah, that's right. Um, where he meets a really nice receptionist. That's right. Who's very patient with Santa and very nice. So they're kind of rebuffed by Joe Carruthers' agent, Marty. A real a real uh, scene stealer. This real guy. scene stealer. Yeah, yeah, funny yeah. guy. Yeah. Good delivery. Mm-hmm. He's, he's great at the, like, honey, you're beautiful. Yeah. You're gorgeous. Give me a star. Come here, kid. So the agent's going on about how um, Joe's got this opportunity to be in this film. Right. Uh, called Christmas Slay. We'll get into the name later. My favorite um, And Santa is just like adamant about getting an audience with Joe. Finally gets to talk to Joe and briefly explains that he's Santa and Joe's very kind to him yeah. but doesn't believe it. Right. So he's kind of like, okay, goodbye. Uh, thank you. I got this movie audition. Um, and Santa then ends up in jail, and I'm trying to remember exactly it's what because happened. Marty, the conniving oh, agent, that's right. so is Joe, like, don't worry, I'll take care of it, Yes, Joe. okay, great. He gets him taken away by the police. Keeping his client away from this crazy guy so that he can right. focus on his audition and make them both money. So Ernest is dressed up like a government worker, and Harmony is dressed up as the governor's niece, yep. who is doing a tour to see how government really works. And um, they go, they walk right in to the jail and they find Santa. And I guess their bit to get him out is kind of like, this man is old and clearly crazy because he thinks he's Santa. He shouldn't be in here with the regular prisoners. Right, and there should be separation. My uncle would sure like to find this out. So the the jailers are just like, oh, oh, well. Perplexed, uh, yeah. uh, Sure, take him right out. So they abscond with Santa. Like, it's fairly easy. It's really um, easy. And then you have to show an identification or badge or anything. It's, yeah. It's very cartoon And then, in short time, he's already debuting his next character, which is a snake rancher. And the, and the reason that comes into play is they... Santa's like, look, I've enjoyed my job. I've had it since 1889 when the right. magic was passed to me, but my magic is growing dim. I need to find a replacement to restore... The full power of Santa, otherwise right. Christmas is fucked, essentially. So, they catch up to Joe, or they try to. Who's at the studio He's at the now. movie studio, shooting, shooting this movie Christmas play. Which is a big opportunity, as his agent Marty says. It's a whole, it's a great thing for you, people are going to love you in it, you could be a leading man. Yeah, and they make a point to show that the director of this movie is, like, nearly incompetent. And yeah. kind of a doofus. Um... The movie is not Christmas sleigh, as in Santa's sleigh. We le- we find out it's Christmas sleigh, as in like, ee, 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 like it's, psycho, it's a S-L-A-Y. That Joe didn't know he was involved with. Which in- involves him uh, fighting off an alien that's terrorizing Christmas. 
in a cabin in the he woods. He tells the alien to go to hell or like take this son shoot of a bitch or something. And and Joe, child loving guy that he is, is is pleading with the director, can we please, you know, like cut the language? The kids are right there. I don't really want to shoot him. Do I have and to shoot this poor, swamp like, thing that's coming in? Stage kids are like, we've heard it before, you know, like. Yeah. But Joe's like really uncomfortable. So, in order to get to him, mm-hmm. Ernest. Dresses up as a snake handler, um, which is one of my favorite characters. It's a great character. He's this very kind of like committed, very, very guy. scary um, kind of too. He, he does this great physical comedy bit where, uh, I don't think Harmony is with them. Not this one. Santa's yeah. in the back of the flatbed under a uh, tarp, kind of wriggling around in mm-hmm. a snake-like way. And Ernest is like, oh, you don't want to touch these things. Like, one, one, one look... And poison. Yeah, poison. And this is so he's saying this to the gate guard at the studio yeah, lot like the when they're trying guy. to get in. So, so you got Santa in the flatbed of the truck under the tarp, acting as a snake, and he's like rattling things around and trying to move around. And Ernest, yeah, he's got like a toy rattle. Yeah, he's like shaking. It. And Ernest is in full performance mode, and he's like, "You might not want to put your hand in there to rip it right off." He's really into it. He's really into it. It's really funny. And then so they sneak into the movie studio. They kind of oversee Joe at the end of his rope, because he has to swear in front of the kids, Santa finds out about this Christmas sleigh movie and punches the director yeah. in the face. Yeah. Because he's so deeply offended by the subject matter mm-hmm. of Christmas sleigh, S-L-A-Y. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the events are taking place. Uh, at the same time, two dock workers? I mean, what are they? They're like customs well, guys? Well, so... This is a good time to mention an omission that we made in our previous episode. Purposefully. Uh, purposefully on my part, because I reject these characters. I think that they're crazy. I think that they are not necessary. I think they take away they're from Ernest. They're not very funny. They're not funny. A lot of people disagree. People on Instagram are already like, what about the eggs erroneous guys? Yeah. Which are made up of a comedy duo, I guess. I don't find them funny. I think they're very strange and not in a good way. It's like a bigger guy it's a and bigger a thin guy, guy and a thin guy. And the thin guy's mute, like doesn't speak. The thin entire, guy doesn't you know, talk. Rarely. The big guy talks too much. He does this weird eye-shaking thing, which is totally unhinged. It's supposed to be hilarious, and maybe it is for kids. Like, this does not work for me, and I don't think it would as a kid either. Yeah. It's just these, like, two kind of, like, bumbling side hustle guys. Right. Um, they're actually more incorporated in Ernest Saves Christmas, I find, than Ernest Goes to Camp, which they're completely beside the story the and cuttable. And so we keep going back to these two goons because they're watching the reindeer up on the ceiling because the reindeer can fly, of course. So they're mesmerized by these reindeer. So it keeps cutting back to them going, wow, like, what are we going to do with these reindeer? We can't, we're waiting for the people to pick them up and the name on the order to pick up. The reindeer is Helper Elves. Helper Elves. And he's like, I'm waiting for some guy named Helper Elves, not realizing what that means. So the Exeronius guys, as I call them, are dealing with the reindeer problem. And Joe is still kind of doubtful. Like, he really is being very polite to Santa, but he's like, hey, this whole thing seems crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I want to believe, but I need 
more proof and, before I finish anything. And Marty's like, this guy again, the Santa guy, how'd he get here? I thought I sent him away. I thought I sent him to jail, but like he's come back. Right. And so as they're dealing with this, Pamela is charged with guarding Santa's sack right. uh, over at Ernest's place. And I'm convinced this, like, Pamela's temptation of Santa's sack is a drug metaphor, and I cannot be convinced otherwise yeah. that Pamela is not true. on drugs. That's I'm really, sorry. It's so, it's very true. Even, like, the way she's acting, like, her knee is bouncing. She's, mm-hmm. like, going to the bag, and then, like, oh, no, and going away from yeah. it, and then coming back. And so she opens the bag, and, like, out comes this, like, Marcellus Wallace suitcase. Glow. Glow. Light. Where she starts like abusing the magic power of the sack um, and trying to like steal the sack itself and the toys inside it and she's like come on jewelry come on stereo right Right. i mean she's really off the rails she's kind of out of control she in fact i don't know why they would trust her at this point honestly to guard the sack anyway well santa has kind of a cryptic thing he says to her when he gives her this big important job which is just like I have absolute faith in you, or something, and it like just breaks your heart because you know that she's probably Pamela Harmony talk. isn't she, ready for that. If there's if it's not a metaphor for drugs, then she's literally gonna try to sell the bag of toys to get drugs. Yeah, <laughs> one or the other. Yeah, no, it's I really believe intense. that. Really intense. Um, so time's running out. Pamela makes a poor split decision to do this bait and switch with the bags, right. where she fills one identical sack that she's lying around yeah they never explained they got an identical and they don't have to so she has an identical red sack that she fills with down feathers again how did she get them and from where um they cut the scene where she was in a drug-induced frenzy ripping open Ernest's pillows to get the feathers to stuff into the back i think i left money in this pillow yeah yeah oh god now i have to clean it up i'll just use this identical sack so santa Again, like, looks at her meaningfully as though he knows she's put one over on him mm-hmm. when she returns the sack, and he kind of feels the weight of it, and is like, okay, thanks, Pamela. Right. Um, Pamela then takes off for the train station. Right. Where she boards a train that's leaving at 6.40 p.m. Important, because Santa has established that... If this whole operation with the switching and passing of the baton of Santa doesn't happen before 7 p.m., then Christmas is ruined. So she's now supposed to be on a train yeah. at 6.40 yeah. with the real sack. Right. So the stakes are getting higher. So meanwhile, we're back on track with the plan, and the helper elves arrive again on a domestic flight right. at the airport. Yeah. Ernest picks them up, and they hightail it to try and get the reindeer. From the two goons. From the eggs erroneous guys. Uh, they have a little bit of trouble establishing their identification yeah. and, like, getting these reindeer passed over to them. So the helper elves and Ernest are in tow. They've got the reindeer in, like, a Penske truck. Yeah. They're about to drive off the facility. Ernest is like, I know a shortcut. Mm-hmm. Immediately, they drive over tire spikes. Yeah. And it's like... Supposed to have the weight of like that all is lost moment. Right. And poor, anytime Ernest is like downtrodden, it affects me so deeply. Yeah, it's really intense. So he's like, I ruined it. I like, it was my fault. The ball was in my hands and, and I, I missed the, the shot. Yeah. Like, I totally ruined Christmas. 
And the helper elves are like, yeah, you kind of did. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're not they don't, they don't, they don't, they're, not. they're not nice to Ernest. They're like the kids in Ernest Goes yeah, to Camp. They're just true. further pushing him down yeah, in the exactly, mud. Exactly, Like kicking him when he's down. Exactly. And then Ernest gets a brilliant idea. Wait a second. We've got a way to get there in half the time. We've got a sleigh and magic reindeer. Why don't we use this? And Ernest has a great joke about, like, they're like, you don't even know how to drive the sleigh. And he's like, I can drive anything. Yeah. Which, to, to the screenwriter's credit, they but, set up yeah, with him do. being this, like, crazy, crazy good, bad driver yeah, and he does at it. the beginning of the it's movie. true. So there's a lot of, like, kind of fun slapsticky comedy to be had with Ernest trying to figure out how to run the sleigh and the elves, like, holding on for dear life. It's pretty great. Um... In fact, they go so far as to go into space. There's a <laughs> yeah. cutaway shot. Like, I, wonder, I wonder where Ernest is. And it cuts to like the sleigh ah! in space going around the globe several times. Oh my times. god, like, I love that. I, yeah. I loved that. It was great. It was like, great. I, I wish there was more of that. Um, so Harmony has a, a conscience awakening on Christmas Eve. Uh, just as she's about to board the train. The 640 train the to bag. wherever, as she said to the conductor. So she's racing back to get to the children's museum where they're all fixed to meet up. Uh, Santa's there. He's having a heart-to-heart with Miss Thing, Mary Morris, the elderly, yeah, the elderly uh, museum employee, and they're really like, oh, you know, hitting it off. What are you doing tonight? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm supposed to say Christmas, but maybe yeah. after that we get hang. Yeah. And Joe has a similar uh, awakening when through his office window yeah he sees Ernest flying in the sleigh mm-hmm. and that that is the kind of moment of proof that he's yeah. been looking for and so he storms out of the meeting, meeting. just about to sign the paperwork the contract the because but it, he was also saying I want to make some changes I don't feel comfortable with some you know of this what content. I thought was weird is like he was already fully shooting the movie but then they cut to a scene where they were like we want you in the picture was that like all screen test oh maybe it was Maybe I didn't quite. That's a good point. Isn't that I didn't weird? Think like, about because, that just, because in the middle of the movie, they have yeah. that scene where Santa punches the director. Right. Uh, one of my favorite scenes. And, but then at Maybe. the end of the movie, like near the climax, yeah. he's like, all right, let's have you sign your contract. You know what? I think if it wasn't a screen test, I wonder if it was. And maybe I'm making this up now in my head, trying to think back to what it, why it could have been this way. But I think maybe there was something having to do with him signing contract for subsequent pictures that they were like, oh, this is going to be so big. We're going to do like a, well, not a franchise, but like we're going to do a series of these. They did mention that, and that was supposed to be like a real a real example of Joe's qualms about working with these people. Is They were like, okay, sign here, here, and here, and this is for this franchise opportunities, Christmas yeah. Slay, two, three, and four. I think that's probably And he was like, Ugh, I don't even want to do one of yeah. these, let alone. So it's just to be really be like, mm-hmm. he's got his pen hovering above the signing line when he looks and sees Ernest Slay. Right. And it's like, Christmas Slay, S-L-A-Y versus the yeah, Slay for Santa. Slays, it's like, the Slay, like, Slay, Slay. Joe's like, I can't do it. I gotta save Christmas. That's I gotta the only the kind of Slay I want. I'm in. I'm in. And then he like so takes everyone kind of reconnoiters at the yeah. Children's Museum. It's like 657 mm-hmm. at this point. Um, Pamela apologizes to Santa and gets him the bag back. Right. He's like, I never doubted you. Well, maybe I doubted you a little bit. Yeah. And she then says, I've had a change of heart. I want to go back home. I just talked to my mom. Would have been a great thing Would to include in the narrative. She has a teary moment with the mom on the phone or something that 
a cathartic moment. She kind of has a, a cathartic moment, which I'm at least glad they had this with Santa and Ernest. So she starts to, she finally breaks down a little. But which what was, was funny about not including the scene with the mom is because she's a pathological liar throughout the entire narrative. <laughs> of this movie, <laughs> it kind of just did. seemed like she was lying. Yeah, maybe she was still which lying. Which is really interesting. Like, it it's really cool, not cool, but like, it's really, um, unexpected right for her to lie to apologize to santa give the bag back do a good deed but also still lie like she's yeah. a liar she needs some help like she yeah, needs absolutely. to work through what makes her result resort to a lie in every situation right. right so maybe maybe they didn't include that scene with her and the mom because she was lying right i don't know maybe. it could be um so then they have this really nice uh, effect where Santa shakes Joe's hand and mm. zips, like, electricity. Santa magic into Joe. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Joe's immediately in Santa attire with a beard, which he had shaved off earlier in the film, but now he's a full, long, like, Santa beard. Yeah, like, he transforms into, like, the Coca-Cola Santa. Yeah. Like, the perfect image of right. Santa with the hair and beard right. and stuff. And, um... And then the movie ends in this kind of funny um, bit where Santa's all ready and he's like, man, I wish I had more experience driving this sleigh. And Ernest kind of looks up with a sparkle in his eye and he's like, hey, Santa, uh, do you think there's anything in the rule book against having a driver for one night? And Santa's like, I don't think so. Go ahead, Ernest. And Ernest jumps in and he's like all pumped. With, with Joe as the new Santa. And then they're like, Pamela... Come on, we'll give you a ride. And she goes, yes! And mm -hmm. she hops in. So it's a full sleigh because we've got the Santa's helpers. Right. Uh, the helper elves. Right. Uh, Ernest. The new Santa. Yeah. And Pamela. But they take off. <laughs> and much like being in Casablanca, we go back to Bogey and Claude Rains on the <laughs> airport strip. We, we go back to seeing who we now know his real name. Yeah, Santa yes. introduces himself after the transfer has happened as, I guess, one, uh, in my younger days, I was known as Seth Applegate, <laughs> so I suppose I am again. Yeah, now I'm back to Seth. And then there's this very Santa. romantic interaction where Mary Morrissey, the, the children's museum mm -hmm. receptionist, offers her hand and she says, I'm Mary Morrissey, and he says, I'm Seth Applegate. And they have this moment. What are you doing tonight? I don't know. What are we doing? It's the And then she, and she ends with saying, we'll think of something. And yes! Then, and then they wander off. Like, like she, all, the she dark all but takes him by the tie yeah. and like, leads him to the bedroom. Like, yeah. it's very sexually it's very, charged. very intense. I loved it. It was um, great. And then, of course, there's, like, this bumper ending where our favorite right. slash least favorite eggs erroneous guys... Uh, receive another large crate at the shipping. That's shaking and moving, and we're like, what, is it another reindeer? Like, what? And, of course, they zoom in on the uh, the marking, the spray paint marking on the crate in stencil that says E, bunny, And all of a sudden, Easter the top bunny. pops open, and the two huge white ears poke out, and then the two goons look at each other. And they scream. And they're like, whoa! Ah! And then it's the end. And that's the it. Yeah. Man. I love, I mean, I love Ernest so much. Yeah. I think a little bit of the Ernest magic overall was lost on this one. Um, I agree. Sort of to the hustle of this plot that was Ernest adjacent. I think I like I Ernest agree. Goes to Camp because Ernest really was the protagonist. Whereas in this one, it seemed like the hunt for Santa was kind of overshadowing 
Ernest was a, magic. And again, to go to what I was saying earlier is kind of like, it's kind of showing that he wasn't, yeah, he wasn't the main character, that it took Ernest being a part of it to get it done, but he went from being a supporting character to being a supporting character who does a lot of good by the end of it, whereas in Ernest Goes to Camp, he went from being this, like, guy on the fringe to actually having to lead the kids to victory at the end of the movie, so it was more of an arc for he him had, as he, a lead. He didn't have an arc in this one, he just, but he, he did have a key role to play, right. and it was a lot of, it was almost like... Because that, like, Forrest Gump element is so much more satisfying when he really does not just save the day, but change himself. So I'm just curious to see how, if and when, Ernest has any character arcs in the next few films, or whether he's going to kind of now be sidelined for other characters to take over. Um, I mean, Joss doesn't know, because, but I know Ernest cared stupid the best, which is probably one of the last ones we watch, and... That, he clearly is kind of leading the movie more, so uh, I'm excited for that again. But in terms of Ernest going to jail, I have no idea what to expect. And I hope that he's more in the foreground than the background. Now. Me too. You know what? I, you know who I hope is in the way background? Those two goons. Those two freaking Agnerodius guys. I, I hope I hope they're not like prison guards or something in that one or like where they're in every scene. Oh my god, don't even say that. I just looked up the name of the, the, short. Uh, the short that we're going to try and watch next. It is um, Ernest Goes to Splash Mountain. And that's a TV short. I wonder if they mean like it's an hour or something, like an hour movie or something. I guess we'll find out. We'll see if we can get that. in 1989, we'll do our best. If we can't get that one, we'll go straight to Ernest Goes to Jail. And this is also like, you know, realizing that, looking at this filmography here, there's, he has Hey Vern, it's Ernest TV show. There's all these other things where he's still being Ernest, but we're just trying to focus on the movies right now. Mm Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Another movie for the books. Christmas in books. May. Christmas yeah. during the pandemic. That's right. That's what we needed. Yeah. I can't it wait. Hope everyone's staying happy and healthy over there in your choir, in your respective choir. Um, thank you to our special guests. If you're interested in sending us a short clip of yourself talking about what Ernest means to you, you can do so by hitting us up on our Instagram. Yeah, contact us. our man Ernest. Yeah, let us know your favorite Ernest memories. Uh, even just your feelings on Ernest. It doesn't have to be a big story or anything. It can be short, but uh, we'd love to hear how Ernest affected you. But the eggs erroneous guys suck. Don't add yeah, me. Yeah, don't bring them up. Yeah. <laughs>